Indeed, there are more questions than answers, like how do nighttime medications know when it's nighttime? Hi America, hello world. <laughs> My name is Adrian Lee and I am your host. I bet that's been asked several times in pharmacies around the country. Welcome to the show, more questions than answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, <laughs> unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in, especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests. Somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains. With the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your lights and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming and I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. So let me introduce my guests... Firstly, the mysterious and effervescent Heather Morris. She's been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Investigations, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society, and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather woke up late on New Year's Day after a party with a penis drawn on her face. Just no one tell her it was traced. Welcome to the show, Heather. I also wish to introduce... Oh, no! The man and crazy! Michelle Corey. Wow, the face on Miss Morris. I'm glad we haven't got a camera in here. That would curdle milk, wouldn't it? Michelle was raised in Moira, Minnesota, and has a keen and avid interest in all things paranormal. Michelle got so drunk over the new year that she went blind. You've got to hand it to her. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you for my Braille story. We also have with us Nathan tonight. Nathan made a snowman in his yard very happy this week by using a snowblower. <laughs> And 
He likes jokes about self-depreciation, but he's just not very good at it. We are on Series 2, Episode 95. 95 is a number that likes playing in the snow, building snowmen and getting drunk. In Toy Story 3, Woody is seen driving a steam locomotive with the number 95 on it. In reference to Lightning McQueen's racing number in the film Cars and the year Toy Story was first released. Am I the only one who's feeling very old? When you find out that the first Toy Story film was 22 years ago in 1995. Am I of the generation where you say to someone, oh, that happened back in the 90s. And you think, well, that wasn't very long ago. And it's like 25, 30 years ago. Does that not make you feel old? Or am I the only person here? Toy Story, the first one, 1995, 22 years ago. I was on a Euro train. This is the God's honest truth. I was on a Euro train going to Paris. We were in the Euro Tunnel going under the English Channel and we got out of the other side and we're in north western France and suddenly the train stopped, just completely died. We sat there for 20 minutes with nothing happening and the driver then came over the intercom and said, I'm sorry ladies and gentlemen, but the engine just stopped working. But at least you chose the train and not an aeroplane. God's honest truth. If I'd have chosen the aeroplane, I'd have been spread evenly over four fields and most of northwestern France, or I'd be swimming with the fishes, you see. Now, if you dial the international dialing code of 95, you will be put through to Myanmar, which used to be Burma, of course. I'm surprised the History Channel hasn't done a show on the Burma Triangle. I think there needs to be a whole list of shows for dyslexics. They're not catered for, are they? You get ethnic television, which is great. You have the Spanish shows. This shows four different nationalities, isn't there? We go to the local Chinese. They're watching Chinese quiz shows. I don't know how they're finding them, but they're on there. Everybody's catered for, except dyslexics on the television. Do you not think? I want to see shows on the History Channel. Things like how to cope with a heroin addiction. Just can't get enough of them. <laughs> Dyslexic TV shows. How to trace animals in the wild. There's one for Heather. <laughs> <laughs> This is the latest episode of Big Bag Theory. <laughs> In the old Wild West telegraph system, the number 95 was used to signal top priority. So if you're sending a telegraph in the Wild West days and you got 95 come through, that meant that that telegram, that message was of top priority. What would be top priority back in the Wild West days? What could you possibly need that had top priority? We've run out of beans. Our bean supply has run out. We're experiencing the worst denim shortage since the summer of 81. God. Please send a new woman. We've worn the last <laughs> right. one out. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> now, each week, we love to read out the mailbag. We love your letters. We love reading your comments. Mary in Illinois admitted this week that a small amount of weed does actually come out every Friday. I'm assuming she's listening to the show. I hope so. Just on Friday. The rest of the week is fine. On Friday, a small Don't. amount of weed comes out, apparently. Thank you, Mary. Through laughing so hard. This is where we are. Michelle in New York posted that our show is great and she loves hearing her name read out. She says, I don't always need points, but I would like two points. <laughs> yeah, Michelle. <laughs> so two points winging their way to Michelle in New York. She's currently 
in the lead. Robin Posted just downloaded SoundCloud to catch the post-show show. Of course, we do an extra 20 to 25 minutes when we go off air at the top of the hour at 9 o'clock Central Time. An extra 20 minutes in a round we call Not For Your Mother that we can't read out on air for fear of getting removed or gaining a hefty fine. Just a joy. They love Snort Bunk and Bell. That is a great game. Robin then goes on to say they even had a dream about Michelle snorting <laughs> when she couldn't pronounce Makes the word. Me so happy. People are dreaming about you snorting. <laughs> At least they're not dreaming about Heather's bunk. Wow. Apparently, you were snorting in Robin's dream because you couldn't pronounce the word. Saskatchewan. You Could can't you, pronounce I it either. I can't pronounce it either. <laughs> Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Well, you're a local. Saskatchewan. We sat another time here. Genie will appear and we should get a wish. See, Robin, you can actually pronounce the word, can't you? See in your no dreams. Clue. They go on to say no clue why I dreamed that. You want to laugh the walnuts and the cheese before you go to bed would be my advice. But thanks for all the giggles, Robin goes on to say. Alex has written... I have enjoyed the show on Dark Matter for a few months. As much as aliens interest me, a show without preoccupations about rectal probing and reptiles is a refreshing change. Awesome. I, thought, I thought we covered those as well. <laughs> Not for your mother. Why wasn't, why wasn't Alex listening when we weren't probing aliens? That's a great, that's a top job, folks. Thank he you. Then goes on to say. Finally, I want to thank all of those who have contributed to our charity. This was the food shelf in Wyndham in Cottonwood County over Christmas and the New Year. We have some very generous and giving listeners, I might add. Clarice wants to thank everybody who gave donations and for helping feed those in need over the Christmas period. One very generous family from Indiana wrote a wonderful letter with their contribution. I won't read their names out. But they sent a letter with their contribution. I've got it here with me tonight. And their donation did not come without strings attached. It said Clarice, who's in her 70s and does a wonderful job there, had to give me a big hug before that she could take their money. So on Tuesday this week, I went down to the food shelf and I gave Clarice a huge hug. I don't know if that's prostitution or not. She did it for the money. God. I'm just saying, I don't know where we stand legally. That's how much she... Yes, her donation did not come to fruition until I got hugged. So a hug was forthcoming. I can vouch for that. It felt like hugging my grandmother. It was a good thing. So thank you to all of those people thank that you. contributed to our charity. We made a lot of money. It got matched. Any donations you made, of course, were matched as promised by the Masonic Lodge in Wyndham in Cottonwood County, southwest Minnesota. Now you can access our archives. We spoke about this earlier. If you go to soundcloud.com and search for MQTA Radio, there's an extra 20 to 25 minutes for you that we don't do on air in a round called Not For Your Mother. It's the round laced with innuendo, the stories from around the week that we can't read out on air, but it's okay on the internet. Anything goes on the internet. We also have archives available on iTunes, Stitcher and TuneIn if you prefer those particular platforms and when you're listening to the show if you enjoy what we're doing give us a little heart give us a little tick you can like those particular archives we'd be very grateful if you did that 
on Facebook, all of the stories, all of the messages, all of the chat rooms, much, much more. If you go to more questions than answers with Adrian Lee on Facebook, we currently have five and a half thousand followers on there and you can interact with everyone. You can look at all the photographs, all of the videos, all of the stories and things that didn't get onto air because we only have an hour. Everything is on there. We have a lot of fun. We have a lot of laughs and there's a lot of interaction. So I would recommend that as well. We also have a Twitter account, Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. That's T-I-P-S. We have 90,000 followers on there at the moment. And if you're listening to the show currently, we go out at 8 p.m. on Dark Matter Digital Network dot com Central Time. And if you wish to listen to us first, that is the place to be. And if you're listening to us now on Dark Matter, why not go on Facebook and onto social media and tell the world what you're currently listening to with a link as well. We'd be very grateful. That's 100,000 people in 190 countries listening to us every single week. And finally, my book, Mysterious Midwest, Unwrapping Urban Legends and Ghostly Tales from the Dead, is now available with a foreword written by David Ellefson, the founder of Megadeth, 19 haunted historic sites across the Midwest, packed with photographs, evidence, ghosts, and all manner of hauntings. And every single review on Amazon so far, and there's been many, many of them, has given that book five stars, every single one. So many nice. thank you to all of those people that have given me glowing reviews on there. Now, oddly, 2017 represents the 20th anniversary of many famous and wondrous things. We spoke earlier, didn't we? The 22 years since Toy Story mm -hmm. seemed like a long time ago. Right. Where's my life going? It's just dribbling through my hands like grains of sand, I tell you. It is the 20th anniversary in 2017 of Harry Potter. Yay. He's 20 years old, apparently. Who knew? Pokemon, 20 years ago. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, 20 years ago. Not really into that. South Park. I watch it. The yeah. Spice Girls. Not really into that. I really, 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 really want a zig-a-zig. Ah. What is a zig-a-zig-ah? Well, it's like a cigar, but it comes at the end of the alphabet. I bet John Lennon <laughs> is rolling around in his grave like a barbecue spit as we speak. It's almost like it didn't happen, isn't it, with lyrics like that? I find that remarkable. If you want to be my lover, you've got to get with my friends. Okay, ladies, there's plenty to go around. Titanic! <laughs> the film Titanic, that was 20 years ago as well. Google is 20 years old. And of course, such famous songs, Mbop by Hanson, oh, no, no. is also 20 no way. years old. I know, right? Oh, my God. I think they're shaving now, those lads. I am led to believe that. <laughs> now, I thought it'd be a good quiz to get some points on the board. We're celebrating the beginning of 2017. Oh. I went onto Twitter. I looked at a large cross-section of people that were making New Year's resolutions and I've left a blank, and it's your job to fill in the blank. So these are genuine. These are 100% real. This is on our Twitter account, Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips, if you wish to join us. 90,000 people on there. These were resolutions made on Twitter recently. Points to be had. I'll go around the room. You have to fill in the blank, right? Rachel posted on December the 29th. This is her New Year's resolution, her idea for the new year of 2017. Fight crime by teaching blank to shout crime at anyone breaking the law. 
So we're looking for an animal. Fight crime by teaching what animal to shout crime at anyone breaking the law. Miss Morris, what are we going with? Here? A bird. A bird. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you want to be more specific? A parrot. Oh, you're going with a parrot, are you? Mm-hmm. Okay. So training parrots in 2017 to spy on people like Big Brother and shout out crime if someone's breaking the law. Sure. We're living in a fascist society, apparently. Michelle, what are you going with here? I think it has to be a bird, too, but I'll say a crow. You're going with a crow. Nathan, in the background, give me a bird, sir. No, not give me the bird. (laughs) The joys of working on the radio. I'll give you two. Fantastic. Two birds. That's better than one in a bush. What are you going with? A robin. You're going with a robin. I'm going to give you a point each because you went with the bird. It was an owl, of all things. So Rachel on the 20... Yes, we all know what an owl does. <laughs> now twist your head around 360 degrees and really make me happy. Rachel... That costs money. Rachel said, fight crime by teaching an owl to shout crime at anyone who breaks the law. So I'm going to give everyone a point. I'm feeling very philanthropic here, bringing in 2017. Michael posted on December the 31st, I'm going to lessen the number of times I sexually proposition a what? I'm going to lessen the number of times this is his New Year's resolution. I sexually proposition blank. What is he sexually propositioning? What did he do for the whole of 2016 that he's determined not to do in 2017? His grandmother. His grandmother. <laughs> I'm going to lessen the number of times I sexually proposition my grandmother. I wouldn't mind she died six years ago. <laughs> Michelle, what are we going to go with here? Police officers. Police officers. Nathan, what are you thinking? Mannequin. Uh, None of you got anywhere near. It was dolphins, apparently. (laughs) He has a love of marine biology. But this is Michael there, December the 31st. Dale, also on December the 31st, wrote the comment in New Year's resolution, stay in drugs and don't do what? Stay in drugs and don't do... Drink. Drink. Michelle... What are we looking at? Don't do... Organic foods. Organic foods. Those nasty organic foods. No, he actually said stay in drugs and don't do school. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I get it. I did some more research. He he actually turned out to be a principal, would you believe? Final one. Joel, also on December the 31st, said for his New Year's resolution or her... New Year's resolution, it's not specific. I will wear the same what in all my selfies this year. What's Joel going to wear? I'll wear the same what in all my selfies. Earrings. The same earrings. Underpants. Underpants. It's bikini. I'm going to give Michelle a point. She's close with that. I will wear the same bikini in all of my selfies this year. As I said, it's not clear if Joel is a man or a woman. We start the first round. That is Ghosts and Hauntings. Michelle in the studio is in two points. Michelle in New York is also on two points. <laughs> Yay, Michelle. I see a theme developing. <laughs> Heather has scored one point, and I'm yet to score. Ghosts haunt our palace, says Swedish Queen. Queen Sylvia of Sweden says the royal palace where she resides is haunting, according to a documentary to be aired on public television on Thursday. They're all small friends, ghosts. They're all very friendly, but you sometimes feel that you're not completely alone. Queen Sylvia says in the documentary, it's the ghost of Ace of Base career since 1990. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're Swedish you see I got it it's Abba. really exciting but you don't get scared she adds 
Drot Ninghong Palace, which is on the World Heritage List, was built in the 1600s on Loven Island in Stockholm. It is the permanent residence of King Carl Gustav XVI and Queen Sylvia, the 73-year-old daughter of a German businessman and a Brazilian woman. Does that make her Brazilian? Isn't that a monster in a Japanese film? They were married 40 years ago, which makes her Sweden's longest-serving queen. Princess Christina, the king's sister, backs the claims of the palace phantoms. There is much energy in the house. It would be strange if it didn't take the form of ghosts. Christina was quoted as saying in the documentary, There is stories about ghosts in all old houses. They have been filled with people over the centuries, she had. The energy remains. It must be easier to live with ghosts if you're rich, right? In fact, it must be easier to live with everything when you've got more money and you're rich. I say, Carl, is that chandelier swinging? You can imagine the scene, can't you, as they sat there? Big chandelier, lead crystal, swinging. Did I just hear a moan coming from the east wing? Well, I'll get Jeeves to investigate. He's going to have to unlock that, though, because it's closed in the winter. See where we are. It's like having a giant statue of David there where the eye follows you around the room. (laughs) Heather! What have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? Well, a man was interested in purchasing a property in the city of Detroit, discovered a car with a decomposed and mummified body inside the garage. What the heck? Wouldn't someone say that's been there a long time? That must have been parked out of the way somewhere. Long time, long time. Actually, if someone parked in my street... And they hadn't for moved. more than five for minutes. For more than five minutes, they'll be onto the council complaining. Never mind <laughs> right, the right. rotting remains of the owner sat there. Well, tenants who lived at the home on the property told police that the owner said they couldn't use the garage, so they never went inside. Sure. Can you imagine the first gust of air as you open the door? Oh, and hit you like a hammer. I'd be like Friar Lawrence opening the crypt on Romeo and Juliet for the first time. That first warm breath of air that hits you. Oh uh, well, the one. Three bedroom, one bath house on the block lined with two door inspired brick homes. Can you be more specific about what they look like? In the early 1950s, is listed for sale at a bargain basement price of $27,000. Yes, but it's in Detroit. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. It's unclear how and when the person in the car died, but it's said that the body had been there for quite a some time. At the, so at, the tabs on the license plate say nineteen ninety two. Like like forty three. Wouldn't someone like it's been a while. Report the missing. No. I mean if you own a car, then surely you're a bit further up in the world than the guy who just owns a cardboard box and is living under the subway. You'd think so, but at this point medical examiners don't know whether the body is a male or a female. That's oh. how decomposed it is. What wow. about if they had the body that was decomposed and they sat it in the car, you see where we are? I think it's melted into the oh, seat. Oh, it's become one with the yes, car. Yes, it is. It's nature like, versus nurture and nature's one. Correct. I see where we are. Yes. Earlier this month, a partially mummified body of a Donald Smith 78 was discovered. And in 2014, a repairman found a mummified body of Pia Ferenkampf 
44, in her Pontiac, Michigan home when he was hired to do work after a bank foreclosed on the dwelling. So Michigan is famous for mummified bodies or people to just get forgotten, apparently. I remember from when I was a small child, I used to get the 2000 AD comic. And that was very famous in Britain for having the cartoon character, the comic strip, Judge Dredd, that Sylvester Stallone massacred. But there was a story that sticks with me. Where in the future, there's not enough housing. So people would get RVs and they'd put them on autopilot and they'd just go around, you know, the the perimeter of the city on this sort of orbital road and they'd get fueled up and the money would be taken out of their bank account and robots would come along and just fill it up. Like you get aircraft now, military aircraft that get refueled in the air, right? You could keep driving around on autopilot and it would just keep refueling fueling you and taking money out of your account and judge dread happened to break into one of these rvs that was going around he jumped on the roof pulled open the skylight and the inhabitants were mummified they died years ago and it kept going round, kept being refueled and taking money out of their bank account that just stuck with me very interesting stories if you get a chance to read any Mm. judge dread they are bizarre strange science fiction dark british humor i would suggest unlike the Sylvester Stallone film. I might add. <laughs> I am the law. I'm going back to England now. In England, you can camp in abandoned medieval churches, apparently, with bats, badges, and foxes to keep you company. Yay. I like Th- it. Throughout southeast England, a small batch of modern pilgrims have been travelling to visit and sleep in ancient churches. They're not necessarily seeking a religious experience. Rather, they are part of a modern movement called Champing. Love for churches. See, they've mixed camping and church. Um. Champing. They do glamping where you have like a really posh tent with really posh, you know, bed linen and a butler. Glamorous. Glamping. This is champing, apparently. I quite like the sound of this. Organised through the Churches Conservation Trust, an organisation that oversees the preservation of historical churches throughout the country, Champing provides rural villages a way of offsetting the maintenance of these historic buildings, while offering travellers a very unusual place to stay. You wouldn't want to dig a hole for a toilet, though. You may come across things you might not want to find. The Trust's website promises that apart from a few weary pilgrims, monks and a tired vicar or two, Champers will be amongst the first to spend the night in that space. The Churches Conservation Trust first piloted Champing in 2014 at All Saints Church in Northamptonshire. The medieval church, which features limestone arches and a square tower, is situated on the outskirts of town. Visitors can pass their time exploring the church, canoeing on nearby rivers, or exploring the small village and surrounding woodlands and meadow. From the church tower, guests are offered a sprawling view of the surrounding countryside. Just under three hours from London, the church is conveniently catered for city dwellers looking for a unique getaway. In 2015, the Trust expanded their offerings to four churches. That year, nearly 300 people stayed overnight during the Champing season, which runs from May until September. In 2016, nearly 650 champed in the seven available churches. These champers were mostly between 26 and 44 and from urban locations. Most were couples, but there were also many families with children, not to mention seasoned walkers, cyclists and canoeists. 
The location of the Champion churches might explain the appeal to these demographics. All of the current churches are in southeast England, no more than two or three hours from London, making them convenient for weekend getaways. All are located in small villages that have few tourist attractions, but are close to charming traditional English towns and areas of natural beauty. I've spent many an hour in a cemetery all over England and Britain, medieval churches, most of them built in the 11th and 12th century. This is a really good way of making money. I like the idea of camping in a medieval churchyard. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. I'd love it. You'd be up all night listening to all the wildlife, wondering what was walking around (laughs) outside. I would like to go, if you're interested, you can look up that particular organisation. That's the Church's Conservation Trust. And in May, you can camp in medieval graveyards throughout Britain. Michelle, you're currently on two points. What have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? The ghost of a wrongly convicted murderer is reportedly haunting at a Highlands pub, spooking out the staff. Workers claim they've seen glasses being rattled, pans flying through the air, and chairs falling over at the Old Inn in Apen, Argyle. Landlord Jim Milligan told the Daily Record he fears the ghost is that of James Stewart. Stewart, known as James of the Glen, was accused of shooting dead the estate factor Colin Campbell. Not the James Stewart. Not the Hollywood actor. <laughs> Vertigo. Jimmy Stewart. Wonderful life. Not that particular one. No, this is another, another one. I would imagine James Stewart is probably the most common Scottish name ever, isn't it? Probably. James There'll Stewart. be a lot of James Stewarts up there, I suspect. Mm. He was accused of shooting dead estate factor Colin Campbell. There's another one. Yeah, who was the Red Fox. And this was in Appen, Argyle in 1752. Jim, 43, who opened the old inn in the village late last year, said, We're worried that that is the ghost of James of the Glen. He drank in the pub and evidence for the trial was given in the back room of the inn. The staff told the paper that they have heard mysterious footsteps in an empty upstairs room and spotted a ghostly figure. Motion cameras at the pub have been regularly activated, according to Jim, who plans to spend £10,000 or more on high-tech cameras to see if he can capture the ghost. £10,000 on high-tech cameras just to see if he can capture a ghost. That's about $16,000. Was he employing an entire film crew in a studio? Surely if you went to Menard, you could get some security cameras for less than $16,000, I would suggest. I'm guessing he probably wants to spend the money to see if he can catch something so he can actually make money off of it. Yes. That's, come that to would the, be the first thing I'd do if I opened a pub or a restaurant. Stay say in it's the haunted. haunted pub. Yeah. Right. There you go. Would it offset the fact that a lot of people wouldn't stay there because it is haunted? I've investigated many, many times the Palmer House Hotel in Salk Centre, Minnesota. I've written about it. It's the second chapter in my book, Mysterious Minnesota. And they advertise that as a haunted building. Come and stay in the haunted Palmer House Hotel built in 1901. And I suspect that as many people as you're attracting, as many people aren't coming to stay in your hotel because it's haunted. Do you think one offsets the other or do you think you'll get more people? Being into the paranormal, let's face facts, the people listening to this show now, the people around this table in this studio are all into the paranormal. But we're in a small minority. Not everyone is listening. Not everyone is interested. Not everyone wants to even acknowledge the fact that ghosts and hauntings exist. Would you want, I mean, 
I'm not going to ask everyone around this room because we'd all want to stay in a haunted hotel. It'd be on our bucket list. We've done it many, many times on investigations. But I bet if you went into the street now and asked the guy who's decaying in the car opposite, if he wants to stay in a haunted hotel, the chances are the general public would say no, wouldn't they? I don't think so, because there are so many people out there that completely ignore the fact that it even exists. They're not really bothered. I wonder if it saturates your market as well. All the people within the surrounding area that's interested in ghosts and hauntings would have stayed and then that's it. You don't come back necessarily for a second go. Yet you're going to get passing trade from people all over America going through there regularly. Just see what I mean. It may only be that you could saturate the local market. And when everyone within a radius of 100 miles that's interested in the paranormal has stayed there, would they then go back for a second go? So we, we should start a book of haunted hotels across America with a strap line where you're hoping to get a bad night's sleep. That's right. Mm -hmm. Perfect. There's money to be made, Michelle. There's points to be made. You are now on a resplendent four. Ooh. I have a story that says family install security cameras, not $16,000 worth, I might add, after complaining of a demonic or ghostly presence and capture something truly creepy. Ew. It is not clear when or where the footage was filmed, but the video of the spooky spectre appeared on YouTube with a caption in Spanish. A family has recorded an eerie figure following them home after complaining about a supernatural presence around the house. After installing security cameras around their home to capture the presence on film, the camera traps something truly creepy they had previously complained about a demonic or ghostly presence at their home so we reportedly unsurprised at the discovery it reads imagine going down the street without knowing or realizing that someone is chasing you this is the person walking down the street going towards their home the camera's positioned on their house and there's a white man following them that wasn't actually there. You can see it on the video footage. The footage has since racked up more than 80,000 views, but some are claiming the video is not as sinister as it may appear. One viewer commented, it is a reflection of the camera lens, nothing to do with the supernatural. Another wrote, I think it's just a mistake. It looks like the reflection of the person in white. It has the same shape. You can see this for yourself. If you go to our Facebook site, more questions than answers with Adrian Lee, you can see this video footage and comment for yourself and all the stories from tonight and all the photographs and all the video footage and much, much more is on there for you. That brings to a conclusion the round that is Ghosts and Hauntings. I'm on four, Michelle in the studio's on four, Heather's on three, and Michelle in New York is still on two. We blunder into the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology. It's green men and hairy beasties. Miss Morris, what have you got for me in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? Well, there is footage of a mammoth container which has sparked wild theories from viewers over what could have been inside. Ooh. I know. Secrets. They could look. 
No, they couldn't. Oh, okay. They couldn't. No. The clip was just me to be practical, right? Uh, the clip was taken by a YouTube user as the convoy made its way through Satakoy in California. The large space age looking object was loaded on the back of a huge lorry surrounded by police. It appeared to have been surrounded by a metal structure and was followed by several other lorries as well. A lorry, that's a British report. A lorry, of course, is a semi. Yes. There the, we go. The video was called, What is this thing around two? After the recorder had seen something similar five months ago, it has led to some viewers coming up with conspiracy theories of what the object might be or what might lurk inside. One said it could contain nuclear waste, while another joked it was... Was that one of them there raptor cages <laughs> from Jurassic Park? You know, because that's real. <laughs> Start the new year as we oh, need to go. Oh, you read my mind. Happy New Year. Another- I thought it was California. What do I know? Another believed the container was simply. Aliens. 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 But user David Kenworthy said, "'Tis nothing more." (laughs) Oh, he's British. Then a Transformer. Snobby British. Wow, what robots in disguise. (laughs) They haul them at night so as not to unsettle folks with enormous oversized loads. Talking of oversized, enormous loads. Yes, there's one sitting across from me right now. (laughs) And Heather's on minus two. The good Lord giveth and the good Lord taketh away. I vote for Jurassic Park. Yes, but you're not in charge, unfortunately. No, well. Chris Pratt. A bizarre UFO-shaped rock that may have been carved by an ancient civilization has been discovered in China. Experts have been left puzzled by the six-ton wonder (laughs) that features two layers of intricate pillars. Everyone thought it, but no one said it. It was found by Zia Changchun who... Oh, there we go. (laughs) First one of 2017. Wherever you are in the world, whether you're in Brazil, Japan, the Philippines, Singapore, Kuwait, Ireland, Holland, Germany or Great Britain... Raise your glasses and have your first shot of the evening if you're playing the Michelle Corrie snorting drinking game. (laughs) Locals are baffled as to whether the unique structure emerged naturally or was designed by human or human-like creatures. (laughs) Human-like? Human-like creatures. I dated one of those. (laughs) We've just lost all our Wisconsin listeners. According to the state-owned paper, Zia saw the five-foot-two-inch rock jutting out from a hill. Showing it off to the media for the first time, he said he pulled his car over and began digging to find the bottom of the boulder. After contracting the landowner Zia, he purchased the rock and spent a week digging it out before taking it home. Its three-tiered structure is formed by a layer of several pointed stones at the base, followed by a flat level. Further curved pillars hold up a top layer with a few more pointed shapes that jut upwards. Wang Qing Ziang, <laughs> Sorry. a local expert and historian who identified it as basalt stone, told the paper he was 
baffled by its shape. He suggested the rock could have been used in ancient rituals or even as some sort of signaling device during battles. Since word spread of the amazing discovery, Zir has been approached by interested buyers, with one offering him nearly $18,000. That's almost the cost of a security camera device, isn't it? I didn't sell it, he said. This is too precious to me. $18,000 would be a lot of money in China. They think that this object was left here by aliens, ancient aliens. If you go to our Facebook site, More Questions Than Answers, with Adrian Lee, you can see the giant two-story bowl with all the wondrous holes in, found by Zia Changjun in Habu Province, China. I shall give myself two points for being informative and interesting. Michelle, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? A space mission set to end next year could be about to make a startling discovery about alien life, according to experts. With probes orbiting Jupiter and Saturn, there are high hopes in 2017 that this could be the year that we find alien life. The Cassini space probe, which will end its mission in September of 2017, has been hotly tipped as the one to watch, according to Dr. Simon Foster, a physicist from Imperial College London. Cassini is orbiting Saturn's moons, Enceladus and Europa, which have a good prospect of finding life, he told the Express. Do you think Dr. Simon Foster ever got a chance to go to Gloucester in a shower of rain? I'd like to set that up. We'll make that happen. He lives in London, but Gloucester's only three or four hours drive away if you go west. I'd like to see that happen. If your name's Dr. Foster, I bet no one in his career has ever said to him, have you been to Gloucester in a shower of rain? Oh, it's never happened. Have you any idea what I'm talking about? No. Just said Gloucester. You, you, you need to. <laughs> in Britain, it's a very famous nursery rhyme. Dr. Foster went to Gloucester in a shower of rain. And then something about he steps in a puddle up to his muddle, which I think is a second rhyme because they couldn't think of anything to rhyme with puddle. And uh, he progresses from there. Huh. I mean, the character development's quite poor, but you get a sense <laughs> of the place. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There is a narrative, not much of a meta narrative, I would argue that. You're looking at me so mental. You can look this up. Dr. Foster going to Gloucester in a shower of rain. On it. <laughs> on it. They are research to be had. I should give myself points for being informative. I'm on seven. How long are you going to take away for being boring? Oh! <laughs> Controversial. Heather's on minus four. She deserves minus four for the accent alone. That accent was awesome. <laughs> Oh, nice. (laughs) Yes, that's right. You did two accents, didn't you? I recall now. It's all coming back to me. But the life forms are more likely to be microbial rather than in the shape of E.T. I love the word microbial. That's got to be microbial. Mm -hmm. Love it. That's a word you don't use very often. I'm going to give Michelle points. (laughs) She's now on five just for getting the word microbial into the show. It's raising the level of this show considerably. Thank you. It follows several false alarms of alien sightings this year, which got UFO hunters in a tizzy. Strange signals from space sparked theories that other life forms were trying to make contact. Scientists were forced to consider whether a mystery flashing star was due to an alien megastructure being used to harvest energy from a star. Despite this, Dr. Simon Foster, who went down to, to Gloucester, Gloucester, and it was uh, there was a slight precipitation a bit of bit of mizzle 
I love the word. Do you know Eskimos have like 20 words for snow? Possibly more. In Britain, we have the same amount for rain. There's actually a word called mizzle, which is the difference between drizzle and mist. You get a bit of in between. It's not quite mist. It's not quite drizzle. It's mizzle. Hmm. Despite this, Dr. Simon Foster insisted that a breakthrough is on the horizon. He said in the past, when we thought that we had discovered aliens previously, it was a new form of star called the pulsar. We know hardly anything, and when we came up against something we don't know or doesn't fit into our current understanding, it is quite nice to say that it could be aliens, whether a lot of it is just a phenomena that we haven't discovered. Either way, there is a breakthrough just around the corner. Wow, 2017's got everything going for it, isn't it? I should give you two points there for getting the word microbial and tizzy into the same story. That brings to a conclusion the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology. I'm on seven, Michelle in the studio's on seven, Michelle in New York is on two, and Heather is currently on minus four. We're moving to the round. <laughs> that is. Don't worry, she still has a chance to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. We move into the round. That is the strange and the bizarre. It's the stories from around the world that are too strange, too bizarre not to read out, but don't fit easily into any other category. I've got a story here that I thought was very interesting. It says burial at sea. All the things you need to know about oh. being buried at sea. I right. thought this was remarkable. Just in case. Bearing in mind, Britain, of course, is a small island surrounded by sea. A dozen or so people every year are buried at sea off the British Isles, according to figures by the Marine Management Organisation, MMO. Here are a few things you might not know about burial at sea. Anyone can be buried at sea, apparently. And, even, you, and you have to be dead? Even if they're not dead. <laughs> <laughs> I put your name down last Tuesday. <gasps> a van will pull up and a guy will come out and put a hood over you. Although many people who are buried at sea are former sailors or Navy personnel, there is no need to have a connection with maritime life. Anyone can be buried at sea so long as the person arranging it has a license available for £175 from the MMO. That's about £225 dollars and complies with some environmental rules apparently applicants must provide a certificate from a doctor that the body is clear of fever and infection and the coroner may also need to be informed doesn't their body go cold therefore no fever <laughs> i think they're taking the temperature before the body dies that's a grim operation taking the temperature but i'm guessing it's room temperature at that point what do you think isn't that remarkable that the dead body happens to be the same temperature as the room who knew unbelievable i think before they died is the key there but you wouldn't want to take the temperature would you of a dead body Depends on where. Yeah, and then you wouldn't want the thermometer after they've taken the temperature of the dead body. You'd want to be in first, wouldn't you? If you're going to have your temperature taken in the same instance as a dead body, I'd make sure I got in first. Dead body can then be second. The person being buried must not be embalmed no. and should be clad in light, biodegradable clothing. <laughs> what about like, here's the wool suit i knitted you for christmas <laughs> <laughs> Which, just see if it fits <laughs> lie down <laughs> wrap them in fruit roll-ups do you think the fishies would like that yes that, i would get a treat wouldn't they <laughs> yes and theoretically they're not really being buried at sea are they on the seabed 
They're not burying them in the bed, are they? They're not burying them in the bed. They're just tossing them over. Yeah, just... So it's actually a tossing at sea, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know a few naval stories along those lines. There's a story about the golden rivet that I'm not going to read out live on air. But you can't simply be buried anywhere, apparently. So the Hudson River ferry's out. I booked that. <laughs> oh, God. We want a tossing off at sea. This is oh. terrible. There are only three designated burial sites in the English coastal tossing waters. Tossing sites. Tossing. tossing. I'm sorry. There are only three designated tossing sites in English coastal waters. <laughs> They're at New Haven in East Sussex. There'll be people pulling up in their cars late at night now, thinking that this is going on. They are the Needle Spoil Ground near the Isle of Wight and Tynemouth, which is in Tyne and Weir. If you wish to toss someone in a location, <laughs> what if you span it as you threw it in and it kind of skipped and you're, you're That'd counting? That'd be awesome. <laughs> We got four skips off of your granddad. If you wish to bury someone in a location other than one of the three above, you can propose a new site when making your application. There you go. The Hudson River Ferries back and in. And they really apparently. don't stay in one place, do they? Well, they are weighted down. They have to be weighted down because they don't want them to be washed up again oh. on the shore. And some of these sites are like five hours in a boat out to the site. They're not near the coast. You're looking at a good five to six hours. It so goes, they get cement shoes? Well, that's they do sew things into the lining, yes, to make it sink a little better. This they is true. The animals eat them. They are yeah. biodegradable. This is what's good for the environment. And it's said that a lot of people don't choose to go out and do the ceremony because it's a five-hour journey out there and a five-hour journey back in choppy North Sea waters. So a lot like, of the, forget this. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say goodbye to him. We're, we're on the pier. Bye, Uncle we'll Joe. We'll say bye, Uncle Joe. <laughs> You're going to get tossed off in five hours. All's good in the world. It says there must be somewhere where there is a minimal risk of the body returning to the shore by strong currents or being disturbed by commercial fishing nets. You wouldn't want to pull that out in your fishing net, would you? That would be terrible. In some rare cases, bodies do drift. Because of this, the person buried has an identification tag attached to them. They don't say where it's tied around, though, but I believe the string comes in three different sizes. <laughs> that, could be, that could be quite seductive, couldn't it, to another sea cucumber if that was mesmerically swaying Ooh, yes. in the sea's ebb and flow. Do you know what I mean? If you went au naturel, just see Mermaids. There, that would work. I'm going to give myself a copious amount of points. I am now on nine. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of the strange and the bizarre? Well, this is taking it a little too far. I, I have it. to say, just it's a, a bit early bit. in the year for that, isn't it? And we've got a round after we go off air called Not For Your Mother. Well, a husband in Japan went for 20 years without speaking to his wife. So he never talked to her in 20 years. I bet she loved it. I was going to say, some <laughs> might see that as a result. <laughs> now, I, I think their math might be a little bit sketchy because eventually the couple's desperate 18-year-old son wrote to a TV station and a show asking them to fix the situation as he never heard his parents have a conversation. So if he stopped talking 20 years ago... Mm. I get the impression, the though, that it was a large family, and he may be the youngest son. Yes, I get that. But the 18-year-old mm -hmm. was conceived when Daddy wasn't talking. Right. Oh, perhaps he didn't say anything. Perhaps he was... <laughs> Like eye contact, yeah, just eye contact and a, a nudge the and a little winky eye, a nudge and a wink. There you go. That'll yeah. see you right on the docks around Britain. A nudge and a wink. So, Dad, O2 Kadiyama 
would reportedly only grunt and nod in response to See? his wife. That's Yumi. how it happened. A bit of grunting, a bit of nodding, and uh, nine months later, you're off to Baby. the hospital. A meeting was arranged for the pair on a park bench where they had their first date as the emotional offspring looked on. Wouldn't it be great after 20 years of not talking? that the first words out of his mouth would be something very banal, like, do you think the milk in my tea was off this morning? I actually <laughs> have his first conversation. Oh, I can't wait. My mother told me not to marry you. I want it to be something really boring and banal, like, do you think the cats need worming? Something well, like, after 20 years, the first sentence out of his mouth needs to be, do you think we need to worm the cats? No, his first sentence was, uh, somehow. Oh, we're going to get taken off air. It's been a rile. A rile, is it? <laughs> Since we talk yeah you were so concerned a ruddy long while about the kids yumi up until now you have endured a lot of hardship mr bond i want you to know where's the cat i'm grateful for everything he's a grapefruit he said he was he said he said he was envious of the attention she gave the children right i was kind of a jealous a what? I was soaking. I was. He just, was soaking. He needs yeah, to take an umbrella I with him. I was soaking about it, and there's no going back now. No going back now. I guess. But Nathan's I was our attorney. Is I this was, racism? Are I we allowed to get away with Jerus. it? Jerus. Yes. Jerus. I'm just a Jerus guy. Yeah. And I was soaking. Do you know John Lennon's hit, Jerus Guy? <laughs> Background laughter is heard when he recommends they speak again sometime. Wouldn't Wait, that another, be nice? Another 20 years. Another 20. It follows reports that Japanese men and women are giving up on dating and are instead simply marrying their friends. A government survey this year found 69% of Japanese men and 59% of Japanese women do not have a partner. So who are the other 10% dating? You'd think it'd be the same number, wouldn't you? Each other. Geishas. Ah. Or dolphins. Dolphins. Apparently dolphins are the way to go. Dolphin love. Dolphin love. <laughs> oh. That was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Woody Woodpecker Show. Michelle. <laughs> what a great way to bring in the new year. <laughs> Put the cult back in the bottle. Michelle, what have you got tonight in the round of the very strange and the very bizarre? The chilling noise coming from the northern lights over Christmas has left scientists scratching their heads. Lapland tour guide Oliver Wright recorded the strange sounds while watching the Aurora Borealis in Sweden on December 25th. Liking it to a Star Wars blaster fire, he shared the clip online. He wrote, On Christmas night 2016, I was standing beneath an intense display of auroras in Abisko, Sweden, when I heard something that sounded like Star Wars blasters. He claimed that as magnetic winds bounced off one another, he heard swooshing sounds coming from nearby power lines. I rushed over to the power lines and I was able to record a sample using my iPhone, he said. It's not the first mystery sound to come from the Aurora Borealis. Hisses, crackles, and even loud claps have all been reported by startled onlookers, according to Spaceweather 
Com. Aurora sounds are a divisive topic, with some scientists claiming that they are figments of our imagination. But some believe the hissing and clapping noises can be explained by electrical currents hitting objects on the surface of the Earth, like pine trees. Fantastic. We need to get out there and have a look. It's I'd a love ch- that. Did you see where you can stay in like the ice igloo and watch the... Oh, I saw that. Yeah. They said that they're going to be building ice igloos on Mars now. They think if we go to live on Mars, and this was a story I didn't read out this week... We could build ice igloos on Mars, and that's where we'd be staying, apparently. No, you don't want to go to Mars. I'm going to go and retrieve the shoe that got lost up there. <laughs> We're ending tonight's show back in Japan. Very popular place this week. Do you notice every week there's a, like mm-hmm. a common country? There is, yeah. We had Ireland, didn't we? A few, And then we had Scotland. It's Japan this week, back in Japan. A theme park in Japan has closed a skating rink featuring frozen fish after receiving complaints that it was being disrespectful to the animals. Space World in the southern city of Kitiki Yushu had opened its aquarium-themed attraction earlier this month. Skaters could glide over the 5,000 fish frozen in the rink's ice. That's nice. The park has since encountered a barrage of criticism online and has apologised. It also said the fish were already dead when they were frozen. (laughs) Well, that's okay then. That's nice. She was already dead when I touched her, officer. Oh. A statement on Space World's website said we've received a lot of opinions such as using animals as entertainment and in events is bad. And poor fish, we sincerely apologise. General Manager Toshimi Takeda told AFP News Agency the theme park would now hold a memorial ceremony for the fish. They're going to thaw them out first? I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to be praying to Cod. Pictures posted on the park's Facebook page, which has since been taken down, showed some fish half submerged in the ice with their mouths open, while others were arranged to form arrows around the ice. The rink also appeared to have sea creatures such as rays and crabs, although the park said that these were enlarged pictures of marine life, according to reports. The park also said it used only fish that were already dead and unfit for consumption, bought from a wholesale fish market. Mm. A park representative told the BBC that the rink had been shut as of Sunday and that they were planning to take the fish out of the rink. We are planning to return it to its normal state, he said, adding that they were unsure when exactly the rink would re open if you wish to see the frozen fish sticking their little heads out of a frozen ice rink in a theme park in japan you can go to our facebook site more questions and answers with adrian lee i do think there's an element of this story that would be fun if you had plastic fish yeah or if you can put illustrations or photographs under the ice that would be fun when you at halloween couldn't you get like loads of zombies and put them under the ice or people trapped like they are under the ice yes you know during medieval period when the ice used to freeze over the Thames when London Bridge was much smaller and the flow of water couldn't go through it, they had entire fairs on the ice and people would fall into the water and drown and there were actually attractions where you could see people looking up at you frozen under the water. That would actually happen back in the day in and around London Bridge in medieval Britain. Bunk. Bunk. Everyone around the world (laughs) now take a shot. We now enter the round... That is called Not For Your Mother. It's a round that you can only find in our archives. So thank you for coming to look us up on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. This is the round we can't read out 
on air for fear of being removed. It's the stories from around the world that are just laden with innuendo, with a bit of sauciness and a little bit of sexuality there. You have been warned if your mother's of a nervous disposition, she needs to be removed from the room and placed in a car on the outskirts of Detroit. (laughs) Miss Morris, what have you got for me tonight in the round of NFM? Well, I have a cure for acne. Really? Mm-hmm. Soap and water and a good diet. Nope. Okay. Indian villagers are drinking cow urine to cure oh, acne. Oh, God. See, the first question that springs to mind is how are you harvesting this? Is someone carrying a bucket and walking behind a cow all day? Oh, lovely. <laughs> I'm so glad you said urine, actually. <laughs> Get it down, sweetheart. It's good for your complexion. Did you drink it warm or cold? I mean, is it... I milked a ball once and got a pint. uh, That's why lots of guys in Udapere swear by the urine, and it's just not to get rid of pimples, but it'll also eliminate all health problems. Oh, I've I've been in a cow shed. That stuff's tar. If you get it in your eyes, it stings. Well, ammonia. That's well, it. One man, he meant Palawal, has guzzled a warm <gasps> glass of cow urine oh. every day oh, for the last four years. Cow, oh. cow oh. piss anybody? He, and he regularly takes pee baths with his fr- oh, buddies. With his buddies? Yes. I want a bath in cow wee Why wouldn't you have a pee shower? Oh. A golden shower? A golden cow-wee-wee. shower. Yes, with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That's utterly ridiculous. <laughs> I was suffering from acute lung diseases and would catch a cough and a cold regularly. I even had acne and pimples on my skin. Oh, is he single? But (laughs) once I started applying urine, my face was crystal clear in just a week. Since then, there hasn't been a single day when I haven't drunk cow urine. Nope. He's so busy collecting it, he hasn't got time to eat burgers and french fries. That's why his skin's cleared up. He's spending all day following a cow's ass with a bucket rather than hanging out in the local mall and eating terrible foods. There you go. And so, you know, everybody needs a morning routine. Another guy, Yogesh Palawal, and it's unclear if they're related or if everyone in Udaper has the same last name, told that women in the village also subscribe to cow urine's powers, but through some serious shade on the fairer sex, many girls in the village are curing their acne with cow urine, but they won't admit it. Oh, I wonder why. Who's going to admit to drinking cow peewee? Why do they pee-wee? all have such bad <laughs> complexions? And, I know. That's and really, such bad breath. That's really unusual for India because in yeah. these small rural villages, they're not eating McDonald's because McDonald's does not exist. They do not have no. Coca-Cola. Well, are they, they vegetarian? Eat, and they that's don't right. eat cows. And they don't eat cows. And they're holy. There you go. I don't understand. I've never seen an Indian with acne. I find that remarkable <laughs> drinking cow. Now I know why. <laughs> and 
now you know why the cows are holy. <laughs> Right. Would you drink it still hot? I mean, like a cup of tea. <gasps> steaming. Dipping, no. Dipping your biscuits in no. it. No. Maybe you can oh, add tea sip, to it just, just to give it. it a little tinge. I get the feeling it's going to be such a thick viscosity that it's going to make its way through the very fragile, flimsy tea bag. It's like trying to put a tea bag in milk and it doesn't get in, does it? Well, I'm you just trying like to saying tea bag. Tea bag. <laughs> Yes. Toy Beutel. That's a brilliant word in German. There are certain German words that are just so much better than English. And Toy Beutel, which is tea bag, is one of them. Schmetterling is a butterfly. And while I'm on the subject, Hugelig. I like Krakenhus. Krakenhus. That's a house of... Hospital. Hospital. <laughs> Horses pee. There we go. Fantastic. There. Schmetterling, Hugelig. Googling. Googling. <laughs> Glugging it down. <laughs> Cowway. It's a waste product, though. That's the trouble I have with this. Anyone who subscribes to drinking their own peewee, and Hayley Mills, who's a famous actress in Britain, does drink her own peewee. She admits that. She does. The problem I have is that's a waste product. It's already had all the minerals and nutrients taken out of it. You're discarding it. It is no longer useful. Rabbits have such a terrible digestive system that they eat their own poo. So if you see rabbit pellets, the ones that are light brown have only been eaten once. And the ones that are dark brown, the rabbit's eaten twice. Because it tries to go through twice. It has such a poor digestive system that a rabbit does eat its own pellets, apparently. How do you know this? You leave this show with more than you arrived with. I have a story that says a man has found a six centimetre fossil on a beach. That's about, what, two and a half inches? that some believe could be the penis of a mammoth last seen 700,000 years ago. I don't believe it. I think my mother's probably gone that long as well. <laughs> Robert Mee stumbled... Was there a ribbon on it? Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, it was a red one, though. Robert Mee stumbled across the phallic-looking find on the same stretch of coastline where the skeleton of the West Runton mammoth was discovered 27 years ago. Robert later shared his find on Facebook appealing for help in identifying it, but received an interesting response. Niall Thorogood, who found a baby mammoth's tooth on West Runton Beach in April, commented, Odd shape. It is what you do with it, apparently. Richard Rocket said it looks like a fossilised phallus. It is believed the male West Runton mammoth stood four metres tall at the shoulders and weighed ten tonnes, twice the weight of the modern African elephant. Some experts have dismissed the find as a trace fossil, such as feces left behind by animals, <laughs> rather than the preserved remains of the body of the actual animal itself. However, over the past 27 years, North Norfolk's eroding coastline has yielded up scores of prehistoric treasures. This is the only time I've not felt inadequate next to a mammoth. What I'm saying is, Elephants are very large in that department. Yes. I have heard that the Japanese will make a golf bag out of an elephant's twig and berries once the elephant's died. It's that large. Mm. That's a golf bag right there. If this mammoth is twice the size of an elephant and it's weighing 10 tons, you've got to think that two and a half centimetres, he's been shortchanged, hasn't he? Yeah. That's not going to make a dent, is it, if you're climbing on the back of a Mrs. Mammoth is where we are. If you wish to see... What a fossilised mammoths, twig and berries look like. You're more than welcome That's to go to our two. Facebook site. That's bunk two, I'm telling you. <coughs> How's that bunk? 
You've seen it, have you? Yeah. I saw a picture I of it. I saw the picture. And it was bunk. You have an expert knowledge of mammoth anatomy, do you? It's just not feasible. It's not feasible. It needs Mm-mm. to... Perhaps it was just the tip. Perhaps no. it wasn't the whole no. thing. You don't think. Let our listeners decide. Mm. Visit our Facebook site, More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee. Scroll through the news items and you will find... Oh, I thought you were going to say scroll through the picture. It won't take long. <laughs> there you go. How much scrolling to be done? If you think that's hardly anything, madam, you've been spoiled. <laughs> Michelle, what have you got for me in the round of Not For Your Mother? A pair of grandparents were left disgusted when their eight-year-old granddaughter opened a bath set that they'd given her for Christmas and found a lewd message inside. Ooh, it was meant for me. (laughs) I don't know what it is, so I hope it's a good message. I I would uh, wait until she'd read the story out before making those kind of comments, madam. Oh, Richard Shiner and his wife Tracy were... Richard Shiner. Horrified. When little Macy asked why the bottle of shower gel instructed her to invite someone into the shower with her to enjoy it fully. Oh, yeah, it was meant for me. Yes. Was that a cow-wee shower or just one of those normal showers? Normal. Normal. (laughs) The 50-year-old plasterer slammed the crude message and told the son, It's wrong. If I wanted something like that, I'd have gone to an Ann Summer shop. There you go. I don't know what that is. An Ann Summers shop is in the high street of every uh, the main street in Britain, and it's a shop that sells marital aids oh. and equipment for those wishing to practice the physical arts. Uh, They're in, we're very liberal and uh, laid back in Europe, and you can buy all this stuff in the high street. He and Tracy, also 54, had given Macy a little snow fairy bath set from high street chain Lush because the name made it sound particularly child-friendly. What lush? How bizarre. It contained shower gel and a moldable bath putty, while five-year-old brother Buddy was given a different set containing gel and a bath comb. Moldable bath putty. For getting to those awkward areas. That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) Like a putty rubber. (laughs) How much putty? Where's your soap? Yes, it does, doesn't it? I'm going to have to stop that. Did you get that for me? <laughs> Your closest. <laughs> That's number 2017 removals. Come here, let me blow you some bubbles. <laughs> We're not talking about Michael Jackson there either. That's too soon. Too soon. Too soon. But after Macy had unwrapped her gift at her grandparents' home in Essex on Christmas night, Richard discovered the offensive labeling on the bottle of shower gel. He said, My wife spends quite a lot of money in Lush and bought two sets for my two grandchildren. It didn't say anything about age restrictions. They opened their bits and pieces on Christmas night, and Macy undid her one. It was the little snow fairy, which indicates to me it was ideal for kids. I happened to pick up the bottle and was reading aloud how to use it. Like, you need to do that. (laughs) It's soap and they're from Essex. They need to read the instructions. (laughs) The instructions on the shower gel says how to use. If you really don't know how to use this, then we suggest you find someone you really like and invite them into the shower with you to demonstrate. I don't have any sympathy with them at all because... 
that's their grandchildren. It's Christmas Day. And they've bought them soap. Yeah. That's right. So, I, you know, anyone who buys their children and grandchildren soap for Christmas Day, I have no sympathy for at all. Go out and get them some proper toys. Right. It's like getting you socks, isn't it, when you're five? A pair of gloves. I think, like, the, the grandma just thought that was, like, a fancy shop or something. Or... A stocking filler. Mm. There we go. If you wish to see that remarkable bottle of soap <laughs> being used by a couple in Essex, you're more than welcome to visit our Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. Miss Morris, you have the last story of the evening in the round of Not For Your Mother. Oh, this is another Christmas one. Good. Follow up to Christmas. How about that? Yes. A little boy got more than he bargained for when he asked his family's new Amazon Echo Dot to play him some of his favorite kids' songs. Uh Uh-oh. A hilarious YouTube video sees a boy named William holding the smart speaker while asking the Alexa voice service to play Digger Digger. Never heard the song. Haven't looked it up. But... I think I should say this to Alexa at some point. I think this is from the show Bob the Builder, perhaps, like a cartoon for kids. It could be. It very well could be. But however, things took a very X-rated turn. A dark turn. When Alexa suggests some very vulgar categories of pornography instead. Oh, boy. So the clip begins with William hunched over a table while trying out his new Echo Dot while his family presumably got him this for Christmas. It's amazing how many times the internet starts with someone hunched over their kitchen table. Wow. I know. While Alexa ponders what William was asking for when he said what sounds like play Digger Digger, his mom suggests that he asked to hear wheels on the bus instead. So, however, Alexa interrupts to announce porn detected. Oh, God. Before she starts saying things, she meaning Alexa, things that sound like, because I don't want to be rude, I'll just God do for- sounds like. God Ready? forbid. Sounds like bunt. Oh, <gasps> nice. Yeah. I like a bit of bunt cake. <laughs> sounds like sit. Okay. Sex. It's just spitting out random sounds words. Sounds like it? block. Nice. Oh. Sounds like sussy. Do I get points? Anal. What and sounds like anal? No, I didn't. Oh, say you're just wimping. Like you just <laughs> And sounds like dildo, or no, it doesn't no, it sound like, like that, that one actually is dildo. But it's it, it, it just... Things you never thought. Do you know when I first started this radio show four years ago, I thought it'd be a really, really, you know, highbrow, knowledgeable, packed full of wisdom and knowledge, serious paranormal radio show, and you uttered the phrase, sounds like dildo. I never yes. thought. Where's Waldo? I never thought this would happen. Oh, really? Schnell, schnell, Achtung. At least it was in English. Well, oh, bless me, Einen. Yeah. You were asking about how she's just started saying these words. That's right. Randomly. Yes. Random. I, I don't know how the Echo Dot works, but I'm thinking I should probably get one because apparently when he was saying stuff like play Digger Digger or Wheels on the Bus or whatever, it actually pulls up like a menu. So it's like porn detected. <gasps> And now it's going to give you a sub-menu. So now it's giving you a sub-menu of Genres. block or sussy. Interests. Interests. Yep. Or 
Anel. <laughs> Anel. I see where we are. Or bunt. Bunt. Nice. Great. Sorry. Oh, everyone around the world can now take another shot glass oh and have a drink. Skull. Prost. Salute. Cheers. Good times. Dildo. I don't ever remember saying that and having a drink. There, I'll get that down, yeah. Well, all good things come to an end, so let us look at tonight's scores in last place. With the K2 meter in the dead battery is Heather Morris, who managed to claw her way back to a resplendent zero. But in first place... And winning the $33,000 IR camera is Michelle, who reached the Yay! dizzying heights of double figures and scored a number 10. Ooh. I came in second with nine points, and Michelle in New York was third with a nice rounded two. Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time, and I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre, and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me at any time via my facebook site more questions than answers with adrian lee or you can follow my twitter account at adrian underscore lee underscore tips and remember we now do an extra 20 to 25 minutes of the show in a round called not for your mother that you can only access in our archives if you go to soundcloud.com and search for mqta radio my gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Chaton Drainer, Michelle Corey, Nathan Bush, and all of the International Paranormal Society at intparanormal.net and all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember, be interested and interesting. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>